Welcome to Building Fortunes Radio. Make sure you check us out at buildingfortunesradio.com. Along with our marketing partners, we're here to help our PM Marketing Network Lead customers build their businesses and make the world a better place. At Building Fortunes, we know how much your business means to you and the people important to you. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world. Now on to our show with your host, Peter Mingles. Hello, everyone. Peter Mingles here. You are listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. For those people that might be first-time listeners, my name is Peter Mingles. We host this radio show. We've been in this for a really long time. So this radio show specifically started off uh, helping people build home-based businesses. And uh, I wanted to have the world know about some of the cool things that people were doing relative to home-based businesses because sometimes home-based businesses like MLM companies and network marketing companies and affiliate programs or stuff that people do, sometimes they get a bad rap. That Many times those things are spoken about consciously. So people talk about them. The topic for today is something a little bit more personal that people don't talk a lot about that I still want to spread or shed a light on, and that's domestic abuse or domestic violence. I guess you can call depending on the degree, you might be able to have your own definitions of that, but you kind of know what's going on when it is, and a lot of people don't talk about that. Well, it kind of hit us personally here on Building Fortunes Radio, and that's why we have conversations with Melissa and Michelle. So we call this one Conversations with Melissa and Michelle, and I just wanted to have these two wonderful people talk about some of their experiences, the experiences of other people, resources, things, if you will, that some people just are a little bit uncomfortable talking about or may not even recognize um, and realize that there might be some hope because if you're trapped into one of these things or one of these situations, they can really be life devastating or worse. Um, So here we are. I am going to be a little bit like that person who does the introduction and kind of steps out of the way. Um, and we'll keep this down to about 30 minutes today because it's Saturday and everybody's running around doing their different things, and we'll kind of do the same thing over here. So the first thing I'll do is we'll introduce Melissa, and we'll introduce Michelle, and if you go back to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash conversations, you'll be able to hear the previous radio shows that we've done. So they're casual conversations about some personal experiences or some experiences of other people, and I'll kick it off usually – Uh, Melissa kicks it off because she's the person who's like the business-oriented person. She's got probably a flow chart of what we're going to be talking about right now. (laughs) Michelle's kind of like showing up. (laughs) So, so, Melissa. And that was my introduction. Well, thank you, Peter. I get it. Move those papers around. Move those papers around. We get that flow chart coming on. <laughs> How did you know? You know what? The I, funny thing is, is I can keep Vizio on my personal laptop. However, I have not process flowed the radio okay. show. Thank you very okay. much. I like my conversations to be a little more fluid and less rigid. So, but thank you for that lovely introduction, nonetheless. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing all right. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I feel like I'm already losing track of my morning. I don't know how it's already 11 o'clock Central Time or 12 Eastern, right? So, um, but anyway, you know, we were talking, and Michelle and I, sometimes we have um, things that are coming up for us that week. And, you know, as I was thinking about preparing, you know, thinking about our show and what we might want to chit-chat about today, you know, I guess what came to mind was people. You know, last week we had an interesting show and started to dive into, you know, the business owner and um, whether or not, whether it's you or you have somebody that you may know or suspect might be 
struggling in this way in their lives. Well, I thought it might be fun for us, well, fun, for us to talk about what what do you do if you know that someone's being abused or you suspect. And I went back to some resources that I have from the Area Women's Center, and I have a really cool list of do's and don'ts. So here's something I'd kind of like to read and then kick us off, and then let, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What do you think? Yeah. That's yeah. good. All right, good. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. okay. So um, a victim or a survivor, and, you know, it just I found it's a personal preference, like whether or not we want to be called a victim or a survivor and also where we are in that process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a victim or a survivor tends to leave seven to nine times before permanently leaving the abuser. And survivors instinctively know that this is the most dangerous time for them because the abuser's threats to harm or kill them or their kids, or their family, or friends, the pet, and these threats should be taken seriously. So, you know, when that, when the abuser senses or suspects that they're beginning to lose some of their power and control, that's where the game, you know, that I don't shouldn't say game, but that's when the stakes get pretty high, and we have to really, really mm-hmm. super be careful. And a lot of time, people have an idea. Maybe people don't. You know, I know I kept everything under wraps. Um, I very much isolated from my friends and family, so I'm not sure how much they knew unless they saw me and I had injuries, but um, sorry, phone calling in. Um, But these threats are supposed to be taken seriously. And so if you do suspect or you know that somebody's being abused, um, there are some guidelines for concerned family members and friends on what to say, what to do, and what not to. So let's start out with the do's, okay? And, Michelle, just, like, jump in if you've got something that you want to say about this. I think that we both have had experiences with all of these to some degree and some that work better than others and why and why not. So I think maybe that would be helpful for us to share today. Yeah, I, um, I was, I'm remembering, like, what, one of the things that um, helped me, like, when I went to, um, uh, like, to, to get help, um, I was given, like, a um, safety plan template. So mm-hmm. it kind of helped me to, um, when I was going through a crisis, that it kind of listed um, things, suggestions of what I could do um, mm-hmm. to cope through what I was going through, which was, which I... Um, we'll sometimes we'll look at at times when I'm like in the crisis and um, sure. like not not knowing what forgetting what to do right and who to reach out right. and who the safe the safe people that I can reach out to are mm-hmm. the safety plan that you're talking about yeah that's something um, that's actually not on our list. It's actually not on our list, and I suspect that that's because this list is for, like, a lay person, like a friend or a family, but that mm-hmm. safety plan that you're referring to, that's something that you got from the Area Women's Center, right? Yeah. From the pros? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's one of the things that definitely that we'll talk about, you know, going to a, a local 
domestic violence support area in your net, you know, in your in your certain or in your city that will be yes. able to provide you with that that level of expertise, you know, because um, mm-hmm. they know things that we don't know, <laughs> right? right? Yes, that can be helpful. Yes. So. I think it's a really good point, but just not on this list <laughs> because I think this one is more towards – this is more geared toward um, just a friend, you know, or a sister or a parent or, um, you know, a boss or somebody. So um, yes. I'm going to go ahead and read the first one. Do this. So if you do suspect or you're concerned, if you're a concerned person for somebody, take that person in the situation seriously. Um, victors and survivors usually minimize the extent of the violence. I know I did that. Did you? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. And you know what? I think I did it in the beginning anyway because I didn't want to admit it to myself, you know. And so, like, the first barrier I think that people need to get through is getting people to realize how dangerous a situation they're in. I had one friend that kept coming to see me when she realized what was going on to some extent, mm-hmm. and she would sit in my house looking at me and going, Melissa, I'm scared for you because you don't seem to realize how dangerous he is. And I remember looking at her and going like, what is she? I remember my, I was thinking, what is she talking about? He's dangerous. Like, like at that point, it didn't even really compute while I was laying in a bed, not able to move because I'd been run over by a car by him, you know, with a huge hematoma on my leg. And, you know, I mean, just like, you know, and, and I am a smart person, but there is a heavy layer of denial here. And so, you know, we're going to be minimizing. That's what I learned from that minimizing the extent of what's going on because we don't want to see it. It's a horrible thing to have to admit to yourself, you know? Yeah. You like that yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, would go through a lot of denial and um, try to ask myself constantly, what am I doing wrong? You know, like I would, Yeah. So yeah. that was a big well, um, like pattern of behavior that I would – go through mm-hmm. and, and still struggle kind of with that leading, you're leading into the next one beautifully something else to do is to stay mm-hmm. with it stay with conviction if you're one of these people talking to one of the abuse victims stay with conviction you do not deserve to be hit or threatened or abused you are not to blame for the abuse and you did not cause the abuse and I, and I, you know, I know it's still me reminder of that too because we're contributors to relationships, but we do not control how people choose to treat us, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I don't know about you, but I can't control somebody. Can you control somebody? <laughs> no, yeah. and that's what um, I remember. I was being, um, I was being reminded um, in therapy um, that. I'm not responsible for the behavior so yep. of the person. So and right. that and it's just amazing how just being have going to therapy to be reminded of that is I mean, I know that sounds like so like normal. Not, yeah. Normal. Like, yes, but normal to, for us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not it, that's a huge like um 
thing that needs to be like almost like tattooed on like you know like into in, needs to just be re, reminded because it's like for some reason it's like a big neon um, sign right in your face yeah and that, yeah. that's kind of how it is for me too less so now but especially in the beginning I remember sitting in the counselor's office and them saying that kind of thing to me and what the thoughts that flashed through my mind was oh my god I'm that <laughs> you know yeah I I, 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 I can relate to that this is mm-hmm. me oh my god you know where it, it's kind mm-hmm. of started to dissolve some of that denial you know hey maybe that's mm-hmm. why it's a do <laughs> yeah. um, they also say for, for concerned people to express your concern and they have some examples of what that sounds like in supportive statements to empower the survivors say things like i'm very concerned i feel afraid for your safety i want you to know that i'm here for you Tell me how I can be helpful to you. I'm offering to help you. So, um, and that kind of empowers the person who's being very disempowered. That they're responsible for accepting or not accepting support, um, responsible for deciding how they're going to let people help them, and that that needs to rest with the person, unfortunately, the person who is being abused and losing their power, but that's how we start to get our power back, right? We make mm-hmm. those choices for ourselves, <clears throat> and we do engage the people who care for us, or we seek out help um, from services. So um, it says here for a survivor to begin to trust their own judgment, taking personal responsibility, and making decisions are vital to his or her ability to trust their own judgment and act on their own behalf. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The um. I know that uh, it's also very, um, it has to be done in a very gentle way as well because mm-hmm. it's just not, you, and and it can be um, very frustrating because um, yes. me being from being, the person that's being discussed, that being um, said to, you know, it's not as easy as like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to, you know, just, I, it, it takes time to process like that. Um, you are leading it's, it's into not, the do not very nicely. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you know what it says here, a couple? <clears throat> Do not give advice. For example, don't tell the survivor that you think or he or she needs to do this. You need to leave. You need to call police. You need this. You know, simply be there with mm-hmm. them in their confusion and just listen because it is such a lonely place to be. And yeah. another do not is don't criticize or judge the survivor or the, or the abuser. Let survivors make their own decisions and accept their decisions as right for them at their time, and then don't judge their decisions. Because mm-hmm. we're yeah. ready when we're ready, right? Right, and it's that's so true. Because I'm, I, so many times in my experience, I've been, um, you know, that's been done. Like to be, I've been told, you know, leave and all and all those same. Uh, 
you know, lines of advice, and I'm just like, it's not as easy as that. So. Mm-hmm. For me, I was uh, the one changing the locks many times. Um, I own the house, right? And I was only married to my second husband for two years. So um, for me, it was like I would, okay, well, no, you're not, you know, coming in or whatever. And then it became an excuse for him to go out and do whatever. You know, oh, well, she won't let me come home, so now I can stay out all night and do whatever. And that drove me insane. Like I'm talking, drove me insane. It was a huge part of the emotional abuse, you know, because I knew there was infidelity going on as well. And and then it was like, you know, doing terrible things to me and then having me not letting him stay or kicking him out, then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, he's free. And then I knew what he was probably doing. And that torment, oh, my God, it drove me nuts emotionally. Like it was extreme amount of trauma. You know, some of that I think yeah. is worse than the physical violence for me, you know. Yeah, the mind, but like mind games like that. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is mind games. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's abuse is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a massive manipulation and very, yeah. very hurtful to yeah. a spouse, you know, in particular, you know. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but definitely to a spouse. And um, yeah, I remember saying to my friend, man, I'm just not ready to end my marriage yet. In tears, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just not ready to end my marriage yet. You know, there were so many good things. And it's a horrible situation. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's not as easy as it's. The the solution is not as easy as. Yeah, it is. Like, you know what else I think is interesting that it says in here is a do not do. Like if you are a friend or a family member who's concerned, don't what? recommend marital or couples counseling, and don't attempt to intervene or be a, ma- a mediator. <laughs> And that kind of surprised me a little bit. But then I read on and it said about the marital counseling, there is a power differential, and counseling may be dangerous to the victim. Okay. You know? And I think that's interesting. I have some, do you have some insights on that or any thoughts you want to add about that? Um, like, because I, I did try, like, marital counseling, so and it didn't really, it didn't have... <clears throat> very good um, uh, outcome, so that's interesting to see what, I would be interested, like, to see what exactly, why there's, what is, what is your insights on that? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, I've experienced marital counseling in Mm -hmm. both a very positive way where it has brought, in the appropriate circumstances, it has brought tremendous value and cohesiveness back into some broken pieces in a relationship. So first and foremost, in general, I have a psychology degree. I have a huge advocate for for counseling, okay? Mm -hmm. In this situation, though, when you are dealing with an abuser, and I experienced this as well because I did go to counseling a little bit with my second husband when this was going on, and I, I said, stop, I stopped. First mm-hmm. and foremost, I stopped because he was using and abusing drugs, and I said, until you get sober, we have nothing to talk about because that got in the way of everything, okay? And I do believe it to have been an enormous contributor to what went on between us because it didn't happen, at least not nearly to the degree that it did when after he relapsed. 
Secondly, what I observed happening is that counseling became another form of manipulation where all the attention was put on what I was doing wrong. Well, she this, well, she that. She interrupts me. She won't listen to me. She disrespects me, you know. Okay. But, and and not that, and it's so true. That's why it's dangerous because for those of us who want to make a marriage work and and we do recognize that we contribute to a relationship. It's never just one Mm -hmm. side, right? Yeah, but that's I what I thought when going into I felt like it kept me hooked in and that it was just another way to beat on me because I'm dealing with a drug addict for one thing and then I'm dealing with, you know, this kind of <clears throat> this abusive situation and I didn't see him willing to look at his own self at all. It just became like a finger pointing episode with a professional mediator. And I'm like, okay. you know what? Yes. I'm willing to work on my marriage. I am not willing to come here and pretend that we're working on the marriage <laughs> while well, you're high. <laughs> and it's just a giant finger pointing episode. And so, you know, again, yeah. marriage counseling can be really wonderful, but in an abuse situation, it's not going to fix it, you know. Okay, so, so looking back, looking back in my experience, I would say that's what was happening but I didn't now that you've explained that like I that makes that kind of re-clarifies to me what exactly happened like where that didn't that wasn't effective oh really so that my story kind of applies like when you hear it like that it kind of applies similarly to you yes it it, now it kind of explains why because I was so like I was so um, enthusiastic about doing that, trying that approach so many times, sure. but it just, and it, but each time I tried it, you know, reapproached it that way, it was like still hit nothing. There was always a roadblock that was, yeah. So I don't know. I, I couldn't understand. I was trying to, understand what what was I again I would then say to myself what am I doing wrong <laughs> so that and you know what people's motives right are huge. Huge. your motives mm-hmm. if I may were probably to repair a marriage and to own your part and to cooperate knowing you the way I do so far right yeah and, and I wanted to be a good influence motives. on my go ahead I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm go ahead an, an abuser's motives generally speaking, are about gaining power and control. And so if you want to, if someone attempts to use a therapeutic environment as another means of manipulation to gain further power and control, the marriage is not going to get better. (laughs) And then it becomes a futile thing. But if you've got two people that are truly just going through a difficult time, and, you know, therapy can be a wonderful thing that can bring a couple back together and, and heal a relationship. So I would never, I'm being careful about ever, you know, saying that, no, don't go to counseling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I guess that was domestic violence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's where, that was where I, I was not, I tried for so many years, like, to do that and that's where I was not understanding that it wasn't it wasn't effective so yeah so um, the motives 
if you have two willing parties that are willing to own their part and look at things and really be willing to put it on themselves, but both, you know, then then it can yeah. really work. Then it can really work. Hey, can I share a couple of more do's before we run out of time? Mm-hmm. So if you know somebody who's being abused, and you're a concerned family member or friend, in addition to the other things that we've already said. Sometimes you can offer to keep or store important items and documents at your home so they can be readily available if they need to get away sometimes. Um, excuse me. Keep important phone numbers, like domestic violence services and things like that, uh, handy for that victim if they ever call you and they need it. You can offer to call the police or 911 for them. And um, you can affirm that it took, hey, you say to the abuse victim, that took courage. You must have been scared. You know, affirm them. Share your empathy. Express your empathy for them. But not pity, but your empathy. You must have been scared. It also says that it's important to establish your own boundaries. Okay? And an example of that would be, and I'm talking about the, the friend who's trying to reach out. For example, you have the right to say that you wouldn't tolerate or accept the occurrence of abuse in your home, and then do follow through if that ever happens, and they'll need to leave, okay? So basically, you're, you can help people and be there for them, but you don't want to get all tangled up in it and become part of it <laughs> or open your home to that as well. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple more do-nots. Don't break, the, don't break their confidentiality. Not only could this seriously jeopardize somebody's safety, but the survivor or the victim would not feel safe to confide in you in the future and will tend to isolate even more. So if you do have somebody that's confiding in you, be very, very cautious and take special care of that confidence. And... Um, but don't also says don't feel sorry for them and say, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Apparently mm-hmm. that doesn't do any good either. Express that empathy yeah. and affirm them, but don't pity them. So, I don't know. What do you think, Michelle? What do you think of this list? I, I definitely, um, I like the list. And I, um, I remember one thing I, when I, when you, that you always, um, have told me and when, you know, is that thing of, um, then I write it a lot is, and t- try to t- remind myself is that, is what would someone who loves themselves do? Yes. <laughs> I love that saying. Me too. I remind myself of that too. Yeah. Yeah, sir. Sure. And I guess that it's... would connect with the process of becoming ready to, to do mm. what you need to do to get away from the abuse, Right. Because it's mm-hmm. that slow, peeling the Band-Aid off, slow kind of process. What they say, seven to nine times it takes on average for a woman or a person, excuse me, to leave an abusive relationship. So, yeah. I'm so glad that you used that. What would mm-hmm. someone I, who loves herself do with every decision yes. that you make? I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad that's helpful. I say that, too. Yeah. That yeah. definitely is helpful. What do you think, Peter? How'd you like the Thank list? You. It's all a great, wonderful conversation, and I know we can expand on this more, but everybody's on a tight schedule, so I'm going to say thanks, and we're going to wrap it up. 
So for those people listening in, if you go back to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash conversations, buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash conversations, and we can explore these. I want to jump into the therapy thing. Maybe next time we do a little bit of a conversation relative to that for for next week or whatever. But we're going to wrap it up because I know everybody's on a tight schedule. Yep, yeah, where everybody's on a tight schedule. So we will catch you guys later. Thanks for listening in. Okay. Oh, you did Thank want to give you. out that you did probably want to give out that phone number just in case. So I don't know if you still Absolutely. have that handy. The National so Domestic Violence Hotline. One eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. National Domestic Violence Hotline is one eight hundred seven nine nine SAFE. Perfect. We're going to catch everybody next. Yep, we'll catch everybody next week. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Building Fortunes Radio on buildingfortunesradio.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time for the designated Building Fortunes Radio segment with Peter Mingle. Be sure to check out the buildingfortunesradio.com website for our featured segments. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. At Building Fortunes Radio, we wish you the success you deserve and are willing to work for. So spread the word, tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.